everyone. I'm Harpreet Singh, welcoming you to the Future of Work Pioneers podcast. Today, we are speaking with Adesh Goyal, the global CHRO at Tata Communications. He's also the chief ethics officer of the company. He's currently the chairman of the board of Tata Communications Payment Solutions Limited and a director on the board of Tata Communications Transformation Services Limited. Prior to assuming his current roles in 2010, Adesh was the chairman and CEO of PeopleStrong HR Services and was part of the startup team of Archie and Hughes Software Systems, where he spent 16 years in a variety of positions, including global head of HR and CEO of its BPO business. Adesh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here with you, Harpreet, today. So Adesh, before we jump into your background, I would love to understand uh, the, the Tata organization and I, I, you know, it's a conglomerate with many parts and where you sit and also help us understand the scale that you're dealing with. Uh, absolutely, would love to talk about that. So Tata Group is about 150 years old. Uh, today, there are about 100 independent companies in Tata Group, and they they are all owned in part. You know, when I say in part, in terms of some of the shareholding by Tata Sons. So Tata Sons is a holding company of all of these hundred companies, and many of these companies are actually public companies, and they are very large companies just independently, and. Two-thirds of Tata Sons is actually owned by um, you know, various charitable trusts of Tata, uh, which was started more than 100 years ago. So uh, it's really large, about three-fourths of the revenue comes from outside India. Uh, there are about 700,000 employees. And you know, the last 10 years that I've been here, I can feel, uh, you know, the what Tata is known for: leadership with trust. Uh, it, it's almost a revered brand uh, in India and uh, and the world over. No, that's wonderful. And and tell us about Tata Communications. Um, how large is that organization? So Tata Communications is uh, a global company. Uh, we have customers in uh, over two hundred uh, countries. Um, one way of describing is that the global network that we have, uh, which is one of the world's largest undersea cable systems, uh, covers over 99% of the world's GDP. And, um, you know, we have about uh, 18,000 employees. Uh, sorry, uh, let me change that. We have about uh, 12,500 employees and uh, in about 40 countries of about you know 45 nationalities and um, every telco that is there in the globe is a customer for us and in addition we have about 5000 enterprise customers and 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 what are the main service offerings so we are basically uh, a leader in digital ecosystem enabler and we do that through uh, various network related products through cloud services, through security services, mobility, and collaboration. Wonderful. So Adesh, um, 
let's get into your background uh, tell us uh, you know what what got you interested in the hr field and uh, any defining moments that uh, uh, kind of prompted you in this direction so you know um, i grew up in a small town right it's in rajasthan uh, it's called khetri there's a very large copper mine there and both my parents were born in uttarakhand in dehradun and my father was a mining engineer landed up there for work and uh, we went there when i was one year born one year right uh, we went there when i was one year old and finished my schooling there and just went to bits pilani which happened to be in the same district where khetri was called junjunu so living there you know i was very fortunate to live there and grow up there because there were people from all over the country living there every single state so you learn the traditions of that you develop comfort and appreciation for different parts of india and different people and tradition and food right other than you know food outside of india you know actually i had everything to do with all of india living there in that small town right and you learn to love the diversity we even had people from france and canada and russia and many other countries there because they were doing a lot of technology transfer so we grew up you know some of our friends are children of these people so you know that was very fortunate and then bits pilani was where you learned you know how to be fully independent because there was no attendance uh, you didn't have to attend classes and you were completely in a different way so you know the childhood was very good you know learning the value of um diversity and discipline hard work honesty and how to be independent and uh, when i graduated i only knew two things right uh, that i didn't want to go into sales and i didn't want to become a computer programmer I remember in the mid 80s programming was the in thing and you know people from bits and iits uh, it doesn't matter what you studied you are being hard for being a programmer because you had done some programming right every student there and i said i am not going to do that actually i had no clue what i wanted to do right so i saw this ad uh, for an organization called center for development of telematics and they were looking for uh, trainees in the project management area the ad looked really nice to me i had no clue about the company so i just applied and after a day long seven step interview process got hired and when i joined i figured out that my boss was going to be um, a guy called sam petroda i had never heard of him and uh, he was the advisor and the ceo of the company was a very decorated well known guy from the tele- telecommunications uh, uh, industry in india called gb mamsi and actually working with these two people um, you know I still thank God that I got that opportunity, and I did that for about three years. And um, then, you know, one thing, I you know, my you know, they kept offering me different roles. I kept doing it. So the next role was in HR. Uh, it was more like a business HR partner role, even though it was not called by that name in the mid, you know, in the late eighties. And then I got into um, uh, what I would say is, you know, technology transfer and managing. relationships with the suppliers which means people who are manufacturing your stuff and and the ancillary industry and it was a bit of a corporate marketing role um and then i got back into hr and you know and the what is today called as organization development and hr coe role 
and I spent seven years there. You know, it it was just amazing. Huge amount of friendships. I am still in touch with about 150, uh, maybe 200 people from the C dot days, and some of my best friends are from from that time. And then huge software systems came into India. Two of my friends who are engineers, they interviewed there and they said, hey, we're looking for somebody in HR. So I was actually sick at that time. So they came home. We didn't have telephones at home at that time, right? Uh, in India, landlines were so hard to come by. Uh, so they came home and said, hey, you have to, you know, you're going for interview tomorrow. I said, I'm sick. He said, don't matter. Take, make your CV. And, you know, I just landed out to be for a startup type of a, you know, software um, center for huge network systems, which are a part of huge, you know, huge aircraft company at that time, right, which was owned by General Motors. Um, and one thing led to the next, I, I was there for 16 years, uh, you know, one of the first few employees, we went public in 99. And uh, during those 16 years, I got an opportunity to do a variety of roles. As, you know, I actually never said no to any role that anybody offered me. And uh, that I think purely uh, came. So I, I give a lot of credit to the people who offered these roles and to my luck. So I, I actually did the CIO role there. I did procurement role there. I did corporate communication role there. Uh, I was all, like you said, I was the CEO of the BPO, Hughes' BPO business in India. And then I also was the head of engineering there for uh, for about three years. Uh, you know, there was a large team of 3,000, uh, you know, software R&D engineers uh, developing different types of products. Um, and of course, I was the head of HR for a little more than half of my tenure there. So it was more by an accident. And I keep going into away from HR every few years. And then I come back into HR because I feel this is the best role for me uh, because, you know, HR has infinite potential. Nobody can define your job properly. And I love that, right? You know, uh, I, like, I like to say that wherever I've worked, the company defined perhaps 25% of my job and the rest as long as you're meeting that, you have the opportunity to define the rest yourself, right? And how can you enable the people? How can you enable the strategy? How can you enable the business of the company? It really excites me. And I love to use technology in any job or assignment that I get. That's wonderful. So um, we are all going through a crisis, a pandemic. Uh, what has been the role of leadership uh, when it comes to managing this crisis and also when you think about the transformation that you've had to make in, uh, you know, the, the current context. So, you know, as I've heard the stories of how different companies dealt with it uh, over the last one year, uh, I've heard only good stories, right? And especially in the industry that we are in, there are several industries that would hit really hard and they try to do the best for, for the customers and for their employees. Um, uh, but they, they face really a lot of challenges, right? We on the other hand faced a lot of challenges, but we were not really having problem on the revenue side. So we were able to really do well. Actually, I would say thrive during this time. And, you know, out of the 12,500 employees and 
you know, we have an extended workforce of about 25,000. These are the employees of our vendors who manage our network and, you know, they, in a way they are doing managed services in different parts of the world for us. And we went, you know, if I just take the employees, 1,500, we went from 2% primarily working at home to 98% primarily working at home within two weeks. Um, and our teams, right, we set up a, you know, we, we already had a, uh, this disaster management type of a team. We had never done work of this type, but you know, Chennai had floods two times. You know, that's really the biggest thing that we had handled. Uh, but this was something nobody had ever done, and we quickly set that up. And you know, I got the by default the opportunity to uh, to really lead the uh, business continuity. And you know, we had we set up a team of about thirty people, one from each major group. And you know, initially we we're having meetings two or three times a day, trying to solve every problem uh, because we had never dealt with those problems before, right? So you decide everything right there and then, and then it became a daily meeting. And I must say, I, I'm so proud to be a part of a team that does this, did this Herculean task of really doing, you know, in, in, in a way that we didn't drop the ball for any customers. And, um, you know, if you see from the point of view of learning, uh, you know, about a, when, when the pandemic actually happened at that time, we were doing about seven and a half to eight days of learning per employee per year. And 90% of that was delivered digitally. So from the point of view of how employees had to learn and how did we have to engage them, we already had a thriving digital infrastructure. And we were able to quickly leverage to say, how do you manage virtually? How do you manage self? How do you manage teams? This and that, and you know, create pathways for learning. We invited everybody to share their experiences so that all of us can learn from it. You know, we have a vibrant social uh, social network. So, you know, looking back, while a lot of the people were saying, you know, this is happening, that is happening, and most of our employees are saying that too. But if you remove the noise the core was actually still thriving and uh, so it was a great experience you know what we learned during the crisis is that you know people come together like never before right so uh, you know around february when we had done the annual engagement survey our engagement score was 80 uh, you know which is in the top quartile of engagement among the best employers uh, globally and when we did a dipstick in you know April or May, the engagement score was actually 10% higher. And that was shocking, right? And what as we thought about it, you know, people drop their personal issues when there is a crisis, right? They're they really get focused on the larger thing. And you know, for me, that was the biggest lesson that if we can all get inspired about a larger cause or purpose, then the type of force that gets created is quite phenomenal. And I think that's really the job uh, of a leader, of a manager. Now, um, along the same lines, uh, we're talking about um, corporate culture and building culture is uh, an, an important role uh, for an HR leader. Um, 
how do you think about uh, building such culture and what are the ingredients that you think are important that go in into that so amongst all the roles that i do this part of the role is most nebulous very hard to touch very hard to feel very hard to you know put your arms around it and say this is the way it happens right uh, but but i'll i'll you know answer this question in in the best way possible i think culture is about what you believe in what you are inspired about what you are passionate about right so the first thing is to talk about it right and if you read about the culture of or the values of any company in the world they all more or less look the same right but how do you give life to it see the life to it is really given by actual day to day incidents right when rubber hits the whole road what happens right so for example if you ask any new hire in our company right they will say in my first few days or even during the hiring process everybody that i talked to was very caring and supportive right now you start that and then you keep repeating it right it is an infinite loop so i think the one part of culture is how can you inspire people to give something right and when you receive something you feel like giving it more right so i think how do you create that cycle that takes a life on its own so that's one thing i think the second thing is how do you see you know who are the role models right and how do you give them life and how do you showcase them right so we generally think that you know the senior leadership and the ceo of the company have to be the role models yeah that is true but i think that's not enough right so how do you create role models so the things that we have done in the past and we continue to do is say for example being innovative being helpful being a good problem solver being a you know someone who is really caring so what we have done and what we continue to do is we say that okay you know let's do a company wide poll and every employee can select one person saying this is a person who is a problem solver this is a person who is customer centric and they choose any person of their choice and they say why and then the person gets the email that someone and we don't say who said it someone said you are great at problem solving and here's the reason so how do you catch people doing something right right then you create this loop and then you say who are the top 25 for every category so you now have created more role models you know everybody who gets a single vote gets to be a role model right and everybody who voted gets to be a person who appreciates it so this process creates so much positivity and you are able to give life to it right i think the third angle to this is the stories right are people having enough story to talk about it right in their little groups and teams that you know this happened once and this this is the this is the way this person handled a customer situation or a crisis situation or an employee emergency situation or something like that if you are able to create a virtuous circle from this it becomes like a bit of a dna uh, a self working machine core i think that's how i believe culture is created this episode is brought to you by expertify 
Incubated in Harvard Innovation Lab, Expertify provides custom future of work solutions, such as private talent clouds and skill taxonomies. Expertify differentiates itself by using subject matter experts to pre-vet and pipeline candidates for AI and high-end technology skills. However, Expertify Talent Cloud Platform is skill agnostic and can be licensed to build custom talent clouds for any and all skills. In a different use case, enterprises interested in employee intermobility can license the Expertify platform to create an internal gigs marketplace where interested employees can be algorithmically matched to projects, gamifying their learning experience. Visit www.expertify.com for more information. Adesh, uh, you've created uh, Tata Communications Learning Academy to upskill your employees. Give us a sense of what has worked and what has not worked and what the program looks like. So, you know, since, you, since your theme is future of work, uh, let me give a bit of a, uh, what to say, preamble on that and then I'll come to the Tata Communications Learning Academy. So given all these wonderful new technologies that have, you know, come and become popular um, in the last four, five, six years, I think what HR can do for the business and for the people is exponentially higher than what it was possible even 10 years ago, right? So I think HR needs to create, HR needs to be a platform strategy. Right, uh, HR strategy needs to be a platform strategy. And what I mean by that is that ultimately, if you see, employees have certain needs, managers have certain needs, leaders have certain needs, business has certain needs. How can you create a platform to serve those needs? Right. And when I say platform, I mean an intelligent platform that can customize things, that can learn stuff and keep making it better for people over time. It is available like self-service from anywhere to be used by anybody and at any given time, right? And there is instant gratification. You don't have to wait for approval, right? So ultimately, I think HR managers need to become product managers. How do you create a great product that will serve the needs of all of these people, including the business strategy, right? And nobody's going to give these requirements to you in a document, right? You have to figure it out and develop the product, right? And you have to keep making it better over time, right? You have to market. If the product doesn't work, then basically you did something wrong. You know, the customer can't be wrong. So my most favorite um, uh, one of my most favorite things is uh, this document written uh, by, uh, you know, it's called the good product manager and the bad product manager, right? And it's written by Ben Horowitz. And, you know, this is something that we have been using at Tata Communications for HR, right? And in line with this, when we were talking five years ago about what our futures, you know, business looks like, Everybody, all the leaders are saying we're going to use, you know, uh, we're going to use and need new skills. But obviously, nobody knew what skills, when, in what quantity, at what location, right? And as you keep peeling this, you know, answers become even more vague, 
so we we said hey how do we solve this problem so we decided that you know that was one of the first platforms that we built you know we used a prototype on sharepoint and we created the tata communications learning academy and we we were trying to solve only three four problems right and as we launched it even with a somewhat murky user interface because it was a prototype we saw people using it and in six months it became hard for us to to really carry on operations so we had to quickly scale so we kept on scaling and basically today you know our our platform is such that anybody can learn anything at any given time and they can keep changing it right so based on your current role it keeps sending you alerts on what might be a good learning for you and these are in bits and bytes right um and it it also tells you bigger programs which could be certifications right which you could do and what we have seen you know what we have seen is people have lapped it up right the second thing it does is it can it enables you to choose a destination career that somebody that you want to aspire to be and then it starts sending alerts based on that right so you're not only you know scaling for the current job but also you're you know scaling for the future right or you could follow somebody and say what is this person learning and without violating any of the privacy etc we are able to give that type of you know things to that so what we have seen is with this strategy you know the average training per employee per year has more than doubled in 4 years and about two thirds of our learning is self learning nobody is asking the employees to learn they are just learning on their own and about one third is what the managers or the leaders are you know asking or suggesting their teams to learn so this i think needs to scale more and you know we are now working on the next generation of that and you know if you're interested i can even talk about that you've mentioned in the past that uh, the future work will be virtual uh so can you talk about the elements that you see constituting the digital strategy of a virtual works work workspace absolutely so you know like you said we thought the future the we thought the future of work is going to happen in future but it's already here right and now we have to scramble um so i think there are five elements of what the future of work strategy is i think the first one is who is your workforce i believe the workforce will be of four types one is full time employees the second is part time employees there are many people at some point of time in their life cannot work for full time right so how do we leverage their talent the third is there are going to be people who work on a service contract which means they get the benefits they 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 will do some minimum work but the rest of it is really what they get paid based on what they do right and the fourth will be people who are freelancers right uh, you have certain projects to be done and how that is going to you know they just do it for a certain price right now how does the organization define its organization structure work breakdown structure you know resourcing strategy in line with that 
right? So if somebody could figure out, uh, and this is something I've tried to do, no great success yet, that if, can you take a job description and break it using some algorithm into multiple assignments that could be done by different people rather than just one, one person, right? Um, and this is something that, you know, I, I'm continuing to pursue, but that would revolutionize the workplace, right? I think the sec so people can actually do stuff that they're good at, that they're interested in, rather than taking all of that that comes to comes together. I think the second portion is how do you keep your culture alive, who you are, and change it a bit appropriately for this type of virtual distributed workforce for different four types of works, right? Today, culture is mainly meant for FTEs. Right? How do you extend it to different, uh, you know, four types of workforce? I think this is going to be a big challenge. The third one is collaboration. Right? The best work today, you know, when you want to brainstorm, we all want to go, you know, uh, around a, you know, a table or a whiteboard and and do that type of brainstorming. And you know, the reviews, peer reviews, critical reviews, that type of work. How do you do it virtually now, right? So there are good tools available today, but they're still not fully primed to do that type of, you know, thing. And I think, you know, even in the last one year, people have made progress. So I think it's it's really, the dots will get connected in the future, right? Uh, even, even the conferencing that we use, right, what we're using now, how can it become more experiential? Right. And, you know, we all know um, VR and AR, you know, when, you know, if it can get embedded into this, I think it will it will create a much, much better and effective collaboration. I think the fourth thing is how does the job of a leader and, and a manager change? Right. So I believe that the real job of the leader is to build confidence and give hope. Be compassionate, but not sympathetic because providing sympathy doesn't solve anything, right? And really inspires the people and the team members to be courageous, right? So in a way, how can you be soft from outside and, you know, sure and confident from inside? And, you know, one of the things that inspires me the most is what um, Guru Gobind said, right? Can you become a Sant Senani, right? You are actually a son, but you're willing to be a warrior for the right cause, right? And I'm also a, 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 you know, a student or a devotee of Gurudev Shishi Ravi Shankar and for, you know, I'm very inspired by what he says a leader is, right? He says, walk like a king and be a perfect servant. So I think the job of a leader is to serve the people and how do you do that in a virtual format rather than by, you know, command and control, you know, that is a part of the operations that needs to happen, but that should not be the body, right? That should not be the, the soul. And, and I think the fifth is how do you do the most important things for employees, right? Which is, meeting people, you know, doing water cooler conversations, um, doing team building, 
and all of these soft things that are very valuable right a lot of when you do this informal collaboration that's where meaningful discussions happen and problems get solved and innovations happen so how are we going to create that in a virtual environment so i believe these will be the most important challenges for us as you know it becomes more and more virtual you have uh, programs such as shape the future and project marketplace uh, which are platforms to promote diversity and uh, collaboration uh, can you talk about these programs and how they're playing a role in workforce transformation? Absolutely. So let me talk about the Shape the Future, right? It's, it was a program that we visualized to drive an innovation culture in the company. So in a way, it's like crowdsourcing. So we would give out a theme, you know, it was a once in a year program, and or we would give out a specific problem, or it sometimes it would be completely open, right? Okay, what do you think could be a future product for us in the company, right? As open as that. And we would invite people and over time we learned that rather than inviting individuals, we said at least two people, but maximum four people can submit the idea, right? We, we figured out that, you know, when people come together, the quality of what, uh, what happens improves, right? And then we would set up a system to, you know, typically we would get about 400, 500 ideas. We will boil them down uh, to over 25 and then get these people to make a pitch, right? Uh, almost like a startup makes a pitch for funding. And uh, then we shortlist, you know, uh, maybe five, six ideas. And then we do a bit of a deep dive with them. We get them to talk to a VC, we get them to, um, you know, visit uh, actual startups, get them to interact with founders. Uh, get them coaching about how a startup works with you know some of the best people who have done this before and then they they have to actually make a final pitch to say that if you get this idea the company is going to give you funding right so that was the approach and using that you know today you know about three ideas uh, when i say about means uh, actually there are five but three are fully funded right they are actually being um, you know, it's like future bets that we have. So this way we have been able to invite everybody and to be a part of the, uh, the future of the company and create an innovative culture. And, you know, also, which is really helping us to solve everyday problems, not just like a, uh, like a moonshot, right? Um, project marketplace, you know, is, is really what the name is. It's a marketplace for projects. So it's available, it's a platform, it's available to all employees in the company. And any manager can put out a project there, right? That he or she wants somebody to do in the company. And any employee can say, I want to do this project. So manager has a profile which they make, employee has a profile which they make, including what the expertise, this, that. And then we have an algorithm that matches uh, right, and then they can say, okay, I select you, you, do the work, and it's like it's basically voluntary work in addition to your day job. And then when you finish the work, you know the manager for whom you work, it could be anybody in the company, right? And so the the collision can happen from anywhere to anywhere. And uh, you give as a person who did the project, you know, uh, like a badge, four star, three star, five star, 
and likewise the manager can do and it's it's secret in the sense nobody knows who gave what but the just like a score is available um, on say Amazon right for every buyer or every product that's available right so through this what we there are three goals that we wanted to meet right one is how do you create this culture of gig economy in the company through this right number two when people want to develop new capabilities they can do the learning but they need a project to actually apply themselves right and actually convert that into a capability and through this you know it can happen because um, you're doing a real project you're working with a real person and you slowly you know develop that uh, you have done for example a lot of work in in the area of data science right so take for example somebody who has done OR or MIS type of you know analysis and this guy this person wants to foray into data science big data so he or she learns but nobody's going to have that person for big data what do you know so say somebody has some small project you do it once and then the next time somebody else hires you because you have done at least one project and you do four or five projects and suddenly somebody is now willing to hire you as a full-time data science person in, in a particular role right so how do you create future pathways for people and develop talent and develop careers and you know solve the problem of what company needs in the future and the third thing is how do you create networks in the company right um, you know more people you know many many projects involve more than one person these people could be people who have never worked before they could be working with a manager who they don't know or have heard about so how do you create the more the network the better the glue and the better the pathways right and this has become very popular in our company now we have also integrated one of the world's largest freelance uh, forums into this so a manager can choose to do the project through employee volunteers or if they are willing to pay they can put the project there and they can pay for it so we have done an enterprise integration they don't have to worry about paying the bills they go from their charge center and basically they can convert their ft budget into an opex through which they can use freelancer so it's still at an early stage we have done maybe 50 projects like this but you know that's going to become big so how do you use the power of people and platform to bring a change right you know how do you create a small crack in the structure and slowly it keep becoming bigger right and you know you have to shatter the current structure to build a new structure right but you can't blast it you know so how do you do it slowly is really what we're trying to do Harpreet. No, that, that's fascinating. It's great, very, very progressive that you 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 are uh, integrating to freelancing platforms and uh, and also this gig culture you're building. Uh, how how big is that in terms of employee engagement? Uh, uh, how many employees are currently volunteering in on on these projects? So we launched the project marketplace about five years ago, and I think we've had about over two thousand unique users in that now. And, you know, for example, somebody says, I want to go into data, the data science example that I gave, right? So we have also integrated that with uh, Tata Communications Learning Academy. So it start pushing you data sciences programs that you could do to further your, uh, further your capabilities, right? And we have gamified it. And, you know, 
what badges you learned, what level are you, all of that, right? And and sometimes we'll, uh, you know, the points that you earn through gamification can be either used on on a recognition and reward platform, right? You can buy stuff, or you can use it to do a really high level, highly, you know, high cost uh, program to build your skills, right? Um, so that's the way we're encouraging and creating a learning culture. Let's talk about diversity uh, in the Indian context. So in, in the US uh, over the past year with the murder of George Floyd, there is an increased sensitivity amongst HR leaders. And on this podcast, uh, you know, um, I, I've interviewed many uh, CHROs who, who, are, who are talking about diversity and inclusion, uh, especially given these events. So when we, and, and you know, in, in the US context, it means that, you know, how do you uh, look at pay equity for people of color? You know, how do you ensure that uh, you've got good representation within the company, uh, you know, so that the, the communities you serve, you, your employees look like those communities. Uh, in, uh, so, so my question is, how do you think about diversity in the Indian context? Um, and, 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 you know, obviously in, in here, you got debates around affirmative action and in India, you have debate on reservations, which is a similar concept. Um, so can, can you reflect on that? Yeah, so, you know, if I just look, we are a global company, Tara is a global organization, but if I look at only the India, um, India as the, you know, frame for answering this question. So, first of all, you know, and this is not for you, but a lot of other listeners, you know it, that India is like one country, but, you know, we, we, we have, you know, 20 national languages and every 100 miles, the food changes, the dialect changes and there are perhaps 2000 dialects. So India itself, how do you leverage that diversity, right? So I would say getting people to work for you in the locations that you are in, hiring the local people is one type of overall diversity. The second is how do you get people from different states, different religions to work in different locations that you have, not where they originally lived, right? So that builds the second type of diversity. The third is a gender diversity, right? So we have a program called Winning Mix. How do you increase the, 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 the percentage of women in the workforce, right? And the fourth is Tata Group has got a program called uh, Tata Affirmative Action Program. And this is really focused on uh, some of the uh, the, the portions of the society that were traditionally uh, not allowed to grow when the, the caste system, etc., was uh, was very, very strong, right? So all other companies implement that program, not just in terms of hiring people from these communities, but also a lot of our CSR work is focused on uh, providing entrepreneurship, education uh, to, to the people of these uh, impoverished uh, and economically backward communities. That's that's wonderful uh, to to hear. So, uh, you're you're managing a changing culture, and and you know you already talked about uh, technology 
playing a big role in both education and how you are distributing work. So can, can you talk about how you see skills changing in this context? How, what, what, what are the skills of the future and what do they look like? So, you know, I would begin by saying that, you know, there are three types of skills and very often we talk mostly about technical skills. I think future of work will require and sharpen the need for the softer skills, right? Which is how well can you collaborate virtually? Whether it's your team members, whether it is customers, whether it is with people who work for you, etc., etc., right? This thing, you know, is going to become very, very important because what you can do in person is very hard to replicate virtually. You know, if you look at most males, you start by saying, Harpreet, but that's not how you behave when you meet in person. You would shake hands, you know, I am talking about the pre-COVID and hopefully it'll come back or you will even hug, you will smile. But all of that is missing in written communication. And that's why the written communication gets misunderstood most of the time, right? So how do you create this is, is really one big challenge. I think this is going to be a big skill, which is not emphasized, you know, not even worrying about the, the future of work, right? I think the second one is how do you deal with uncertainty, right? How do you deal with a lot of change? Is, is really going to become important, right? On In this side of the skills. I think the second one is technical skills. I think the anything digital, which means using software, using, you know, AI ML, using big data, uh, using AI VR. I think everybody needs to learn what is this and how you can leverage this to change and make better what you're doing. Otherwise, somebody else will be doing and you'll be seeing the effect of that, right? So do you want to be the cause or do you want to be the effect? Right? So I think this is, you know, uh, can you create a tsunami or, you know, the tsunami is going to hit you, right? I think this is one big change. The second is, Wherever there is work which is repetitive, you're doing transactions, computing, um, you know, that type of work, right? Compilation, all of that is going to go away in future. So if that is a part of your main job, figure out how you want to leapfrog quickly because at some point of time, that's going to go away, right? Uh, some companies will tend to keep doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, but it's going to keep becoming smaller and smaller, right? You may still find a job, but then, you know, you're going more towards the bottom rather than moving towards the top. So it depends on your aspirations. It depends on your ambition. It depends on what, what you'd like to be doing. So those, I think, are really the, the, the drivers for the skills of the future. And I would really wrap up by saying that, you know, 20 years ago, the half-life of a skill was 20 years. So if you're going to work for 40 years, you you learn something early on, you know, in your professional education and early on in the job that takes you for 15, 20 years. Then you learn a little bit more, mostly on the job. 
and that can take you till your till the time you want to retire today i think the half life of a skill is 5 years now it may look like only 1/4 but the effect of this can be that you can become obsolete very quickly very early in your career so how do you increase you know how do you really you can't increase the half life right but how can you keep moving so that you keep getting new half lives uh, which are long enough is really uh, i think the way the talent strategy need to be and that's the way the personal strategy for each person needs to be any parting words for our audience you know i would say self leadership are you a leader for yourself not for others do you have a destination you know a river that has no destination becomes a pond are you depending too much on other people to appreciate you then you become dependent on them are you looking at some manager or some coach or some guy to tell you what you could do and if they don't do a good job then you're doomed so how do you take responsibility for your life i think all of us need to do more and more of that and the second thing which i would say is what you know uh, mahatma gandhi said can you become what you want the world to become can you become the best version of yourself really inspires me a lot thank you adesh it's, it's been a real pleasure and uh, you know hope to meet you soon again absolutely and if you come to delhi uh, whenever would love to spend some time with you and when i come to the uh, east coast next time would love to catch up with you